98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Straight up to a claw. On this Tuesday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Pernstein Camo Show here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. We are live from the Octane Community Studios. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Pernstein, what's going on? You okay over there? You give me a look. Like, like... Yeah, no, no. I'm just, I got, I've got new earbuds. New earbuds. <laughs> okay. How are they working? And uh, they, so far, so good. So right. far, so they're good. They're okay? Yeah. They're, they're going to kill your Some brain? Some people wear headphones. You wear headphones. I do, yes. And... Uh, uh, I wear earbuds, yes. So I don't have the, the, the big headphone over my head. So I have the earbuds. So, but every once in a while they kind of go on. And I'm kind of deaf anyway, you know, because kind of are. You do this show for 25 years, and you know, I, I you know, I should have learned, but I keep the volume really high. Yeah, you really and do. so I'm deaf. I'm like half deaf. Yeah. Every time, in fact, every time you mention this on mm-hmm. air, yeah. I, I always turn Lower my volume, volume down. down just a little bit, just oh. so I don't go deaf when I get to my 70s. Um, we're going to talk about Suns basketball in a minute, Mitch. If you would play that. Item I asked you to play for me. Booker to his left. Booker a three. Shazam! The Booker. Wow. I got stopped by a mutual friend of ours in the newsroom, Jeff Munn. Okay. Who told okay. me yeah. that today, September 27th. Oh, Al McCoy's first. first uh... Is the 50th anniversary of the first time Al McCoy ever called a Suns basketball game. Damn. 1972. September 27th, 1972. Wow. Is the first time. Apparently they're running a story about it on news. And I'm like, well, they're running a story about it on news. The least we can do is mention it here on the flagship home of the Phoenix Suns. That today's the 50th anniversary of Al McCoy calling a game. 50 years ago. Richard Nixon was, was the game. president. Okay. Richard Nixon was Richard the Richard Nixon was the president. I'm guessing the top grossing. He defeated George McGovern of South Dakota. The top grossing movie in America was probably The Godfather in 72, oh, I would guess. 1972. What was, what was 1972's up. top grossing movie? I bet it was The Godfather. Uh, the Godfather. Of course you're right. Was it The Godfather? Yeah, followed by the Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> one, a classic one. Damn, that's Deliverance a was number four. Ooh, that's a tough watch. That's uh, a really tough I watch. I want to mention what was number five. Why? I can't mention what was number five. Oh, you can't five. mention what was five? Let's see. Oh, no, you can't yeah, mention what was five. <laughs> no, you can't. It can't be said. Did you get the black Sharpie on that one? Yeah. It's, I can't what? mention what? what was the number five normally, grossing movie. Normally, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little hesitant when it comes to Gambo's ability yes. to edit himself. Bravo, Gambo. Yes, Bravo, I just right. edited myself. Good job. I Wait. was like the Godfather, the Poseidon Adventure, <laughs> What's Up Doc, Deliverance, and I think I'll just pass on what was the... Fifth highest grossing movie of nineteen seventy two. That's fantastic. That's great. Oh, that was good radio right there. That's a good moment. Yeah, you have to look it up yourself to see what number five was because we can't. We're not going to mention it. The Backstabbers. I'm not familiar with American Pie. If we go music, oh okay, Okay. American Pie. Well, Um, congratulations to Al. What a run! You're a fine girl. Yeah, what a run it's been. Good songs. Unfortunately, the Suns. No name. Horse with no name. Nineteen seventy two. That's good. All right. The Suns are our top story of the day. We kind of wish they weren't. Burns and Gambo, the way in. 
brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Monty Williams, DeAndre Ayton. Game 7, a little bit of a blow-up at the end of the game. DeAndre Ayton, his awkward media availability yesterday. I'm sure by now most people are aware that it didn't, you know, he wasn't exactly... Mr. Happy to be here, or at least didn't seem like it, um, whether that was by design or whatever. Today, the first practice at training camp for the Suns, DeAndre Ayton was the first one to get behind the mic, and he said, I haven't spoken with Monty since Game 7 of the Mavs series. I'm beyond shocked, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm going to say this. I, I think the shame on Monty. Just shame on Monty. Like, you had all these opportunities to kind of clear the air with, you know, with a, with one of your players and you don't do it. I, I've always said that the Suns are in great shape. Monty's the grown up in the room. We'll always do the right thing. I, I got to be honest with you. I'm really shocked that Monty, even after the, the contract that he got, didn't reach out to DA and just, hey, you know, let's, 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 let's bury this. Hey, congratulations. I'm really happy for you. You've worked so hard. I think you deserve this. Listen, I know what happened at the end of the season, but let's put that past us. Let's move on. You know, our goals are, you know, we're happy to have you back. Our goal is to win a championship. I mean, I think Monty missed a golden opportunity to get right with DeAndre Ayton the second the Suns matched the offer and made him a max contract guy. I, I almost can't believe we're sitting here today and Monty has gone from Game 7 of the playoff series against the Mavs until today without reaching out and talking to DA. How have you and Monty kind of been able to move? I haven't spoken on I want to courtesy Gerald Bourget from PHNX and Dwayne Rankin from AZ Central. Now, our own Kellen Olsen is there, but Gerald and Dwayne both posted the videos on Twitter, and so we're using those that audio right now from that video. So I want to thank Gerald and Dwayne uh, for uh, we're using it courtesy their Twitter accounts. More DeAndre Ayton. Are you hoping you and Monty not speaking changes soon? I'm here. You, you, I'm, I'm here. He hasn't spoken to me. I'm here. Are you what hoping a, what, you and Monty not speaking changes soon? I'm here. I mean, is Monty holding a grudge? I always say, you're the grown up, Monty. Reach out to him and, and, and let's go. Move on. You, had, you guys had a spat. No big deal. Yeah. No big deal. Nobody, nobody got arrested. Nobody got hurt. You guys didn't like, you can't hold a grudge over a 24 year old kid, you know, that wasn't happy with what happened in the game. Like, I, I'm just really baffled that Monty. Did not, and I've always look. I got the utmost respect for Monty Williams, but I've always said that Monty's the grown up in the room, and he'll always do the right thing. And clearly, clearly to me, he has not done the right thing. He had many opportunities to reach out to Da, and he did not do that. Now this all just happened in the last half hour. This is going on at the the, the Suns training facility. Eric, you said you've got Monty's so response, right? We're, we're working on getting the audio, but I could tell you what he said as to when he was asked why he hasn't talked to Da. Okay, he says he hasn't talked to really any of the guys since Game 7. He said everybody needed a break and unless you've been in the gym working all the time, he wanted to give people a break from him. That's what he said. We're going to get the audio soon. That's wrong because he's got a a fractured relationship with one of his key players. Fractured. And you need to kind of get past that. You need to kind of, okay, how do I fix this? Your, Your job is to fix it. 
You're the coach. Your job is to fix it. You don't want animosity. You don't want bad feelings. You don't want to go into the start of training camp. You try to win an NBA, uh, an NBA championship, and you and DeAndre are at odds, and he's wondering, oh, well, now my coach has to reach out. You signed, DeAndre got a max contract from the Phoenix Suns. They matched it in three seconds. Like, you can't call DeAndre or send him a text saying, hey, big fella, really happy for you, man. I know how hard you worked to get this. I'm glad it was able to work out. I mean, you couldn't do that? Yeah. A simple text? Uh, more from DeAndre Eaton, because again, we're, we don't have we don't have the sound from Monty yet. We're just you know, Eric was kind enough to read the quotes of what he said, but we do have the DeAndre Eaton sound. He was after yesterday's awkward press conference at Media Day. He was asked the follow up question again today: are, are you happy to be here? Yeah, I'm, all right. I'm, just, you know, I'm in between those lines now. I just work. You know, I'm not playing for myself. You know, I have an organization across my chest, and then my back half. Yeah, apologize for the audio quality there because we're, we're it's. I, I'm assuming we'll have it better later on in the show. Quote: Yeah, I'm all right. When I'm in between those lines now, I just work. I'm not playing for myself. I have an organization across my chest and a name on my back. I have to represent. I'm just here to work, man. And then when asked what he would tell Monty if he could talk to him, DeAndre said this: You could talk to Monty. Talk to him. What you want to tell him? I can show him better than I can tell him. I can show him better than I can tell him. Okay. I, I I think this is a bad sign. I mean, I just think it's a bad sign. <laughs> I think you're right. You got a star player and a coach who aren't on speaking terms. And I blame the coach, not the kid. You know, the like you, you got you're the grown up. You gotta fix it. You're a coach. You you gotta make that right. You gotta make it right. Can't go into the season, you know, you know with, with you and him at odds and everything. Like, you know, he can't be like he's gotta feel good about the relationship. He needs to feel good about the relationship. He needs to feel that you want him there. You've got to tell him you gotta make him wanted. You gotta make him feel wanted. You wanna be here. Now the Suns did by by giving him the contract, but the head coach has to kinda of let him know, hey, let's move past this, okay? All right, friends, come on. Yeah, you know, like no, I don't. I don't disagree with the words you're saying. To be honest with you, and, and I, I, I'm hoping, honestly, and you know me, um, I, I don't hide from it. I'm a Suns fan. I, I know you are too. We, uh, we want this team to do well. All right. I'm hoping there's more to the story that explains it better. I, I really do. I, I hope there's more we don't know because everything we know right now, just what we know right now, man, I'm 100 percent in your camp. I, I, you've you've got to at some point if you're money, if you want to go the whole off season and not talk to Mikel, okay, that's fine. You and Mikel didn't have a widely publicized rift at the end of your season. Yeah, you didn't you, need to you, talk you to You want to go the whole off season and not talk to campaign, that's fine. I mean, it's you have it, but it was a really tumultuous off season with DeAndre Ayton and a conversation between the two of you, a couple of conversations between the two of you to set expectations and talk about what happened and talk about the future would have been a really good idea and I'm just surprised there wasn't any kind of conversation at all between the two of them at end more than anything I, I man this is this offseason is not here i thought that the news of robert sarver selling the team last week was like a burden that had been lifted from the organization ha ah, okay yeah now we can just concentrate on basketball and now we can talk about a team a whole new layer of burden championship and all of a sudden it's like jay crowder DeAndre Ayton, the server hangover, uh, the way the season ended against the Mavs, all of a sudden it's like, man, this feel like a heavy weight on your shoulders going into the season. I thought it was all lifted with Sarver News selling the team, but I just feel like it's just piling on more weight the closer we get to this As thing. I said, like, I thought we were so past the issue, these type of issues with the Phoenix Suns. 
I thought we were so past these. I mean, players demanding out. They don't want to be here. And then a rift between a player and a coach that, I mean, come on, I mean, I just can't. I mean, again, I'm going to put this on Monty. I can't believe that Monty did not try to kind of like, you know, bridge that gap with DA. Let's, let's close the gap here. Let's get, let's get on the same page. We got a season coming up here. All right. Just one more. I'm reading from Kellen's Twitter account. Kellen Olson, our son's insider at ArizonaSports.com. Uh, quote, we spoke with Monty Williams about 20 minutes after. Um, he said, I haven't talked to a lot of the guys. Was asked if there's an issue that could linger. And he said, quote, not at all. Close quote. So was he worried about it? Asked if he sees it being a lingering issue. Quote, not at all. Close quote. Okay. Okay. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. He's a young, impressionable kid. And obviously, he didn't take it too well with what happened at the end of the season. And he, and obviously, him and the Suns were not, at, at, uh, you know, on a good at a good place because of the contract thing. And then now the coach isn't talking to him. I mean, I got to mention this, this kid probably wants out because he just doesn't feel wanted. Yeah. He doesn't feel like he's wanted here. When we come back, the Cardinals hit the road again, and they're about to face a team that, quite frankly, it's been a while since they've enjoyed a win over. We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. The Arizona Cardinals 1-2 and two on the season, on the road this week, taking on a Carolina Panther team. And we'll get into some of the specifics a little bit later on in the show. But I think we can mention, and I'm sure most Cardinal fans know, Cardinals have not beaten the Carolina Panthers since 2013. You were a young man. <laughs> the last time the Cardinals beat the Panthers. 2013. 2013. I mean, they, they lost to them in the wild card round. Remember, that was the Ryan Lindley game. They haven't yeah, beaten yeah, them yeah. since. They haven't beaten the they Carolina. They haven't won since 2013. Wow. No, it's it's it, 10 years. It's ins- and this, if it feels like a matchup that's been fairly common, that's because it has been. They've met every single year that Cliff Kingsbury has been the coach and Kyler Murray's been the quarterback. You so. wouldn't think that. Like, I could understand dominance by, you know, like good teams. Yeah. But dominance by the Panthers? The Panthers? The Panthers have dominated you. Uh-huh. Yeah. What, what gives on that? Yeah, and, and, and we wait until you see. I'll just give you a little sneak peek for our conversation later. Yeah. The quarterbacks that have been at the helm of the Panthers the last three years have been have been P.J. Tucker, Teddy Bridgewater, and Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen. Those three he quarterbacks. He had the game of his life against the Cardinals, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. He did. That was the, yeah. that was the Kyle Allen versus Kyler Murray. They yeah. used to be college teammates right. game. Um, so it's it's not like, and of course, last year was the Teddy Bridgewater, I'm back, you know, where he scores the, or not Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton. Cam Newton. I'm sorry, Cam Newton. Cam Newton, where he yells, I'm back. We'll get into the kind of the, the history and everything, but, but this has been, for some reason, a strange matchup for the Cardinals and not a particularly good one. Let's talk about the Panthers. Got their first win of the season. Yes. Uh, a couple days ago against the New Orleans Saints, um, Baker Mayfield struggles, continues to struggle. I'll tell you who's not struggling is Christian McCaffrey. He is, yep. it looks like he's very much back for the Panthers. Two straight 100 yard games. He did not have a, a good game in the, uh, in, in his first game, but 108 yards against the Saints. That is second straight 100 yard game. He did not reach 100 yards in any game in 2020 or 2021. Is that incredible? He did not. His second straight 100-yard game after failing to reach that mark in any game in 2020 or 2021. So he's missed 23 out of 33 games. That's a big reason why. You say, oh, he played. No, he didn't play a whole lot of games because he's had a lot of injuries. So 
him getting back to, you know, uh, being a dominant running back is a real big deal for them because they need him. He's a very dominant player. So that's something that's really working for them. Uh, they, they also, LaVisca Chenault, the kid that used to go to Colorado, had a good game for them, had a big 67-yard touchdown last week, two catches for 90 yards. So trying to get him involved. They've got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Those guys struggled against the Saints. But Chenault, the former Colorado kid, he had a good game. Boy, it's amazing. You look at Christian McCaffrey's, I'm looking at his career game logs, like every game that he's ever played. He has missed so much. So many games. I yep. lately. I yep. mean, it's just big, empty spaces of no games and not playing and not being available. And so, yeah, him being available for the Carolina Panthers is a big kind of turnaround moment for them. But but in, in looking back at last year's game um, and, and the thing that has allowed Carolina to be in every game that they've played so far this year, it's obviously not Baker Mayfield. The struggles have been pronounced. It's been their defense. Their defense was very, very good last year. Their defense flat out got after it last year against the Arizona Cardinals. And their defense this year has been good. It wasn't good at forcing the turnovers until this past week against the Saints when they forced three. But that Panthers defense has been kind of their calling card the last couple of years. And a big reason, yeah. frankly, why I thought they would contend for a playoff spot this year. And they still might, but yeah. I thought I thought Baker and that defense would be a good combination. There's no question. They did a good job against Saquon Barkley in week two, uh, and, you know, stopping the run. And then against the Saints with Kamara and Mark Ingram. I mean, Kamara did have a 27-yard run uh, early in the game, but after that, they limited him to 14 carries for 34 yards. So 14 carries for 34 yards after that one run for Alvin Kamara. So they they did a nice job stopping that, and then they did a you know they they did a good job on Jamison wins uh, Winston. They forced him into a couple of picks. So good job defensively, and that helped them win that game against the Saints. So their defense is good, their running game is good. The quarterback we'll talk about later because that's a question mark. But you can win games as they just proved with the world. Good defense, solid running game. You could still win in the NFL with that philosophy. Plus, and I, and I haven't, I don't know how this is going to impact the game, but anybody who's been following the news in the NFL knows that, or just the news in general, there's Hurricane Ian, which is about to slam into kind of the, the panhandle of Florida and, sure. and the Tampa Bay area. There's a there's a chance, I mean, they're talking about maybe not being able to play the game between the Bucks and the Chiefs in Tampa on Sunday night, that maybe they have to play it somewhere else. The Bucks are moving and practicing in Miami because they need to get out of Tampa because there's going to be so much rain there and, and hurricane-like conditions. It's possible it's going to be a very wet, rainy track Sunday afternoon for the Cardinals because they'll be dealing with maybe not in the middle of that hurricane, but certainly on the edges of it where there's going to be a ton of... It, it, it might be a sloppy condition kind of game for the Cardinals. And I would think... I would think that favors Carolina. I, that, that's just what I was going to say. I think I that mean, favors Carolina with a with a dominant running back. I mean, no Rashad Lawrence for the Cardinals. Yep. And a defense that is proven pretty good at stopping the run. Not that the Cardinals have been great at running the football, but I feel like that is advantage Carolina if the weather is going to be really nasty for that game. I don't know for sure if it is, but I would think it's advantage Carolina if it's going to no, be nasty. If they win this one, then you're talking about a 10-year streak because you'll get into 2023. Unless they play, they meet again in the play. Unless they meet in the playoffs, it's crazy. That's ten be ten years. Carol. I can't believe that they. Again, I, I could see, you know, dominance by really good. Okay, if the Green Bay Packers had that run over you and they've got Aaron Rodgers, okay, I get it. Like I, I, I could understand that. But Carolina, 
Having that type of dominance over you, that's really surprising. Yep. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the Diamondbacks have some tough opponents close up the upcoming season. And it starts tonight. Our weekly check-in with their manager, Troy Lovello, is coming up next on the Burns and Gambo show. Your exclusive home of the D-backs. Diamondbacks. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. D-backs manager, Troy Lovello, joins Burns and Gambo to talk D-backs baseball. 2.30 every Tuesday, we'll get to talk Diamondbacks baseball with the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Troy Lovello, who joins us on the Arizona Sports Line. In advance, the Diamondbacks taking on the Astros today at 510. You'll hear that game on ESPN 620. Joining us right now from Houston, Troy Lovello. How are you doing today, Troy? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. How are you? Look at the timing. Can you oh, believe it? I finally I, figured it out. Seriously. <laughs> I, I was going to say something, but I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let it slide. I should have I, I given you an attaboy. You are right good. on time, Tori. That's good. That, that makes me not as mad at you as I was like five days ago. Well, was, were you mad at me because of a move I made, or were you mad at me because of how late I call in every no, time? No, I was mad because you didn't let Zach Allen pitch the ninth inning at 98 pitches. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, what we talked about here at this point in time of the season is let's just get our guys, you know, up and out, keep them working, keep them, keep them grinding, keep them doing what they're doing, and then not put them in a, in a, in a red line stressful situation. Um, you know, I could have, and I told him that, and I told Merrill the same thing because I, I clipped Merrill uh, one game. He looked at me, and he's like, hey, uh, you sure, I got this ninth. I think I had 93 pitches or 95 pitches, and I just said, "Look, if we're if we're racing towards something special next year in September, um, and we got we got to finish this game off, and we've already committed to going ahead and and pushing you guys as far as we can, knowing that we're going to have a really healthy off season, I will allow you to finish this game, or I will put you in a position that's going to give you the chance to finish this game. But at this point in time, you know, it just didn't make a lot of sense. You know, Zach Allen has, has battled injuries last year. He's having a very healthy season this year. I know what a, a CG would have looked great on his resume, but it just didn't make much sense. Based on the conversations that we've had internally, it just made sense to get him off his feet and call it a day. All right, uh, my last one on this, because I won't, I won't beat a dead horse. I, if you had a closer, like if you had a legitimate closer, I get it. I get it. Let him get the win. But the problem is that this bullpen has the most losses in baseball and it really can't be trusted. And for a guy to work that hard for eight innings, I almost like let him, if he, if he puts a runner on base, okay, take him out. You know, but if he gets the first guy out, then let him get the second guy out. And then even then, if he puts a runner on base, take him out. So, you know, that was just my thought. I kind of felt bad for him because he had pitched so well. And this, this bullpen is just one that, you know, as we all know, this bullpen just can't be trusted. You know, I'm with you, Gambo. Um, it was it was painful for me too as I was watching that inning unfold, and I mean, I felt terrible for him. Terrible for him. He he came out of the game with the lead. It looked like everything was going to be right in place, and you know, unfortunately, it's not the first time something like that has taken place. And we got to be better. All of us have to be better. You know, we 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 can't walk into that ninth inning with a one run lead if we have a chance to push more runs across. So offensively, we could have done better. And yeah, it's it's an easy target to say with with the bullpen as to what they've done. And I know what those numbers are. And you're right. I'm not going to downplay that. we got to be better there as well. Troy Lovello, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. I want to ask you about Alec Thomas and the decision to send him down to Reno. That one, I know it's been a struggle for him the last several weeks. So in that regard, it's not surprising. But given kind of his standing within the organization, I just sort of assumed that once he was here, he was here to stay. What went behind the thinking in, in that decision, Tori? 
Yeah, it was a very difficult decision. Um, and you know, we, we, we knew that Jake was going to be coming back from the bereavement list. We knew that we had to make a move. And, um, you know, what we've been watching Alex do for the first several weeks of his call up was take the game to the next level and just really go out there and, and achieve. Um, but it has been a grind for him. It has been uh, a little bit of a challenge. I felt like there was starting, he's starting to show a little bit of a loss in confidence. Uh, maybe it was the case and maybe it wasn't. But in, in my opinion and the evaluator's opinion that we were, you know, looking to make this, this decision the right one. And who knows if it's the right one? It's just given all the facts that we were laying on the table, we just felt like it'd be the best thing for him to go down. I know there's only three games in Reno and they're going to play some meaningful games here as, as they enter the playoffs. It's to give them a chance to take a, a deep breath in and say, hey, look, I'm going to be okay. I was making some mechanical mistakes. I was making some, some mistakes with, with my pitch selection. Let me just catch my breath for a second and get back on my feet. And I felt like it would be the best opportunity for him to push forward and have a very healthy offseason, have a good ending rather than an ending where he was just hanging on. The bottom line is I just felt like he wasn't the same version of himself when we were trying to get him back there. And with a decision that was looming, a tough decision that was needing to be made, we had to make it, and it landed on Alec. What I explained to him is that he is still a very big piece of this organization. We are looking to go into this next this next dimension as to you know, what we can accomplish as an organization. He, his name is firmly planted in, in, in those discussions. So it's just a little hiccup. He'll find himself back to getting back to the big leagues as soon as possible. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely the right decision. He had gone seven for fifty-five in the month of September. He's batting one twenty-seven. He goes to Reno last night. He's got a double. He's got a couple RBIs. I mean, so good for him to you know to to get his confidence back and build that up. And it allows you to play some guys in center field because you've got three center fielders uh, on that mm-hmm. roster. So just give me your thoughts on getting some reps in center field for some of these other guys. Yeah, good point. You know, um, Barshall will get some looks. Um, Corbin Carroll, who we feel like has an unbelievable future ahead of him, he'll get some looks there. And then Jake has been getting getting looks all season long in center field. So, yeah, I, I love our outfielders, which include Alec Thomas um, and Stone Garrett and, and, and Jordan Lupo. We have a really athletic group. In fact, to the point where I was talking to um, an opposing player that I know well with, with the Dodgers, and he said, look, your outfield is – so good, we have called it the no-fly zone. You, either you hit the ball over the fence or it's going to be caught. Do not hit it where you're going to have it land on the ground in the outfield because it won't happen. So I love the no-fly zone, and that's a credit to the guys that we have, the scouting department, the player development. Our guys get after it. So wh- whoever we put in center field, it just doesn't matter on a given night. We've got some really good athletes out there. Our chat with Tori Lovello here on the Burns and Gambo Show. They're taking on the Houston Astros coming up this afternoon. You'll hear it over on ESPN 620. I, I know there's a variety of reasons to go into a decision like this. With the decision about Mad Bum, was it more about him or was it more about everybody else in the rotation making sure they had a chance to do the things they wanted to do and for you to get more looks at them? Yeah, fair ask. A combination of both. Um, probably more the latter, I would say. Uh, you know, Bum had a full season. It's a grinding season. It was one that uh, saw him pitch very well, and then he just he got into a little bit of a rut and just couldn't seem to catch a break. Whether he pitched well and we didn't score many runs, or whether he gave up too many runs to not allow us to play catch up, uh, it, it it just you know something happened there along the way. And I figured with the last outing that he had against the Dodgers, which was unbelievable, I wanted to sit on that one for the rest of the season, uh, rest of the off season. And I know we're all looking for small victories every single time we get out there and play this game. And I just thought for Bum that made the most sense. And then part two of that is we have some really good young arms that we need to evaluate. And with the off days, 
yesterday and then another off day coming up on Thursday, I felt like we could adjust the schedule accordingly and let these guys go out and show me what they could do and show this organization what they could do. Get them out and stretch their legs a little bit. Bum didn't need to stretch his legs. He had already he accomplished everything he needed to accomplish uh, this year. We know what his valuation is. We've talked to him about making some adjustments, and he's accepting those. And he's worked his butt off to make good things happen. And he'll just have a good, healthy offseason. And I just wanted to make sure that the rest of the guys got the opportunity to show us what they could do and get to that, that certain point where we could evaluate him properly. Is there something different you would like to see Mad Bum do in the offseason that maybe Mad Bum typically doesn't do in the offseason? You know, he's got a he's got a really good routine through the course of the offseason. You know, it involves running and lifting, um, and he's a very strong man. Uh, and he, he just continues to add on to that that that, that overall core strength. Uh, I think the one thing that I talked to him about mostly was, you know, being able to land pitches in, in all four areas of the strike zone. He gets a little um, predictable uh, with certain pitches that are going to land in certain spots, and he can carry balls all over all those four quadrants. And I just wanted to make sure that as he was getting back into his throwing routine this offseason that he understood how important it was to land pitches in all four of those areas. Last year, you guys had 43 stolen bases. You've got like 91 right now. Um, after Varsho, Marte, Alcantara all had some. Your, your top 10 in Major League Baseball. How does it, how does that speed? And we've talked about this quite a bit, but how does it, how does it change the way you manage? Yeah, look, my mindset is let the boys run. I love it. And I've, I've, I've always managed that way, but I got to manage the team that we have. And when you don't have team speed, you've got to be creative with how you're going to be able to read and get early breaks and take advantage of certain moments and certain matchups. But when you have this much team speed, I can manage this team a whole different way. We are going to put pressure on the defense. I, want, I call it pressurizing the defense uh, to make plays a little bit faster than that they've prepared for. And I'm watching very good defensive teams try to pick up the baseball and make plays that they just aren't equipped to make. And when you do that and you move fast, you're going to make mistakes that's plain and simple that's that's version number one version number two is we're going to put pressure on the pitcher to get the ball to home plate a little bit quicker and try and, and hear that black noise over their shoulder at first base those balls tend to wind up in the middle of the plate which get hit off the top of the wall and and then the third point is we're going to just run until we we you know successfully get to second base i want to do it at a, at a certain percentage which represents a net positive when you're talking about run production and then when you put a man in scoring position you're going to score more runs plain and simple it happened in the dodger game i think it was game two game three against the Dodgers. We got on base a couple times, stole, stole second base, Walker, base hit, 2 nothing, and the, by the fourth inning because we had a lot of team speed. So there's a lot of different versions of why it takes place, and I want to manage the type of team um, that we have right now because we are going to put the boys in motion and get some stolen bases that are going to equal a lot of extra runs. Tori, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on for a few. Good luck today against the Astros. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks, Skip. Joy Lovello joining us on the Arizona Sports Line for his weekly visit with us as the Diamondbacks take it on Houston later today. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, back to the Phoenix Suns. Jay Crowder wants out. All right. Where's he going to go? That's next. Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo.
This sucks. You know, I love, I love the not. The Burns uh, and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. It's my bad. I forgot we were doing the Twitter poll question. You I was, weren't the only one that forgot. Uh, it was Mikel Bridges. Man, he really doesn't like the Twitter Apparently poll. Apparently not. Huh? No, Jeez. He, he, it sucks. I'll oh, just wait till four thirty with Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Ruby. It's I, fine. I, I didn't realize I had to take it straight from Mikel too. Yeah, Mikel. Mikel thinks the Twitter poll here just sucks. And you Man. know what? Mm. He might not be wrong if you're a Suns fan because this one. The is, situation sucks. Yeah, the situation does suck. What do you got for us today, Eric? I well, apologize for that. It's a classic, and it's okay because honestly, we're concerned about other things over here. And one thing that we're all concerned about is DeAndre Ayton. The question is just how much? Four options high level of concern, medium level of concern, low level of concern, and hey, everything's fine. No concern. Um, I'm not going there. I'll go medium. Yeah, I, I was. I thought you were going to go three options, and I was really going to be debating between low concern and high concern. But because you gave me the the easy choice of medium, yes, I am moderately medium sized concerned about what's going on easy with the choice, huh? right now. That to me is the easy choice. Medium, yeah. Well, it's uh, not our leader. It's close, but it's not. Thirty five point one percent are going with high. Put it on red alert. Thirty four. 4.5% right behind them. On medium, 16.3% is low. 14.1% is none. That's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo. Qu- uh, 14%? No worries at all? The, the 14%, man, I, no wish I, I wish I had the kind of joy you're getting out of life right now. Just went down 13.5%. Maybe it's uh, <laughs> maybe it's on the move. It's shrinking as we speak, right? Yeah, I, I wish I had your optimism. If you missed it, DeAndre Ayton today, first day of training camp, right? He he already had his kind of awkward press conference yesterday at Media Day in which he didn't say a whole lot. Then he followed it up today with his first media availability in which he says, no, Monty and I haven't spoken since Game 7. And Monty confirmed it. He's like, yeah, there's a lot of guys I haven't spoken yeah. with since Game 7. I was giving everybody a break. It does seem... I'm disappointed in Monty. It seems like that should have been as, a guy you should as, have had a conversation with. As the grown-up in the room, as the head coach, I think it's his responsibility to, to mend that fence and make sure they're on good terms going into you know, the start of camp and I mean he had a golden opportunity after the the extension was matched to say, Hey, you know, big fella, congratulations. I'm really happy for you. You know, I'm happy to see this. You deserve it. I mean he had every opportunity to reach out and, and just, you know, extend that olive branch and the, the fact that he didn't do it and might be holding a grudge. I'm very concerned about that. Yeah, it, it seems very odd. It combined with what happened yesterday at Media Day where maybe he's just ultra focused or maybe he's kind of grumpy with how things went down. It has been a very uncomfortable, awkward, concerning start to the 2022-23 season for the Suns as it relates to DeAndre Eaton. It just does not feel right at all. Oh, by the way, Mikel Bridges yesterday on the Jay Crowder situation. Now it's your turn, Mikel. I love, I love Nana. You know, I remember telling him all the time. He's like, like one of my favorite vets ever. Um, it's just it's the business how things goes and you know i knew i knew you know especially even from finals just knowing like well i look around like i know everybody's just not gonna we're not gonna be here forever it's just how it is you know um so yeah kind of yeah it's kind of sad i miss my guy though yeah it sucks. Yeah, that's what he says. It yeah. Sucks. So, well, you know, now I think a lot of people can put that uh, that that shirt to good use. 
<laughs> I think a lot of people who bought that shirt can actually put that shirt to good use. I don't hold any ill will nice. to Jay. I mean, it, I, I wish he would want to stay. You know, I mean, I, I, I should say I hold a little ill will towards Jay. I, I guess I need to I need to rethink what I think I'm it's saying more on here. Jay than it is the organization. I, I agree. I mean, it's like okay, so they want Cam to start. You know, they want Cam to get the bulk of the minutes. I, I mean, and they're not going to give you an extension. They're they're give you a three year deal. Why do I got to give you an extension? Yeah, they're not going to give everybody an extension. You you're well paid, three years, thirty million dollars. Yeah. You're under contract. Nobody offered you more pay, money, but it doesn't take away for me what Jay did the two years that he was here. He was one of the most important parts of this whole thing. So I w- I do wish he would stay for the last year of it. It would make things a whole lot easier if he would instead of complicating like because now the Suns have to worry about how they're going to get value for him in a moment like this yeah that's a good that's a good point the Jay crowd of potential trade destinations there's a bunch of lists right there I've got a list that says Cleveland Philadelphia Charlotte um, there's some other teams that could consider him um, I think you had a list that had a couple of other teams so now we just wait and see if James Jones can pull off a deal I was told that Jay Crowder and his representatives were given permission to go find a trade as well. Like they could go, where do you want to go? If you could, if you're somewhere where you want to go and we can make a good trade, we'll ship you there. So that could be something that they're working on behind the scenes as well. Here's Sham Sharania on um, the athletic website on where Jay Crowder could land. When you think about, uh, you know, what teams could be interested in Jay Crowder, I would look at the teams that he's played for. Look for teams like Boston, Memphis, Dallas, Miami, especially as teams that could be interested in a guy like Jay Crowder. He's a 3-4 that can play defense, can make shots, uh, brings a great level of energy and culture to your organization as well. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I just got a message from the Mavericks saying that they are not interested in Jay Crowder. Ooh. So just one minute ago. Phone went off, and I, I asked if they had any interest in Jay Crowder. The Mavericks are not interested in Jay Crowder. So we'll take Jay off of that list there, and we'll work on those other teams, Cleveland, Philly, Charlotte, Miami, and I'll try to see what I can find out there with some of those teams. But the Mavericks are not a team that has interest in Jay Crowder. I mean, look, the, the challenge is twofold for the Suns, all right? Number one, it's don't get fleeced in the deal. I mean, Jay has put you in this position now where you kind of feel like you have to trade him. Don't get fleeced in a deal by taking far, far less than you would, and that's going to be a real challenge for the Suns. Number two is recognizing the role that Jay Crowder was going to play. You've got to replace that. And, and that's no a dis- great point. And no disrespect. I mean, that's a great point. we got to talk about that. You've got to replace that. You that's a lot to replace. You can't just say, well, he doesn't want to be here anymore. Let's trade him somewhere and make him happy, and we'll just figure it out and move on. I mean, unless you think Torrey Craig is the guy who can replace that coming off the bench, which I kind of think is a big ask. You've got to replace Not the what- same level of player, oh. and I don't even think it's that close. No, I agree. I agree. And and so you've got if you're James Jones, you're kind of up against it right now. You you've got to make a deal where you don't get totally screwed in the deal, and you've got to recognize this window you've got in front of you of competing for a championship and making sure you adequately replace Jay Crowder. That's a really tough deal to swing. Yeah, listen. James. I mean, you you know you're you're at the point where teams like this usually add vets to get them over the top. They're losing vets, right? Javel McGee is gone. Jay Crowder is going to be gone and it's not like you know these are two of your you know top seven eight rotation guys yeah like like they like you have your starters and then you go two or three deep those guys were in there those guys were very important rotational pieces now i understand not giving javel mcgee a three-year deal because it may have prevented you from doing some other things down the road look i get it i get it but um you lose mcgee then you lose jay crowder 
what did those two guys bring? Defense, toughness, like that. You lose a lot of that. You, you know, Jay was a tough physical defensive player. He would go after you. Javel McGee was a shot blocking defensive monster. You're losing a lot on the defensive end with those two guys gone. I don't want to say this is going to happen, but I read the story that you sent me where you where it had listed Cleveland, Philly, Charlotte. Yes, as likely or as not likely possible destinations. Yes. The Charlotte Hornets one was interesting because they suggested that a swap involving Kelly Oubre for Crowder might make sense. I saw that and I thought, oh, wow, wouldn't that be? Well, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it should. I'm not saying it could. It's just it's some reporter somewhere speculating that maybe he would be the name that makes sense. That would be an interesting reunion between player and team if he was the one coming back. I just don't think. Yeah, but you lose out defensively big time. Yeah, so much. So you lose out. You know, Kelly's Kelly could score. But you definitely lose out on the defensive end if you swapped out Jay for Kelly. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we've had a day now to kind of digest it and and experience it. That Suns media day yesterday has a lot of people around the NBA talking. What are they saying? You'll hear next on the Burns and Gambo show.